Many hours screaming and crying and saying, carry me, hold me, carry me. I cannot do this without you. Gosh, this is hard for me to even say. Like he was next to me and said, mom, when can I come home? And I said, you are home, honey. I knew that that day, like he's not gone. He's just on the other side. He's here. He's talking to me. I can hear him. What does it mean when someone dies? And where does their soul go? Welcome to Soul Sisters Get Real, the show that goes deep in who we really are and why we are really here. We're your hosts, Karen from the States. And Eleni from Australia. We've had heartfelt conversations as soul sisters for years, and we're ready to share our truths, stories, and life lessons with you. And to inspire you to connect to your truest essence, which resides deep within your soul. There'll be tears, there'll be laughter, and there'll be no holding back. So sit back, relax, and let's get real about the things that truly matter. Okay, I am so, so excited. There is electricity running through my body because this is our first episode of Soul Sisters Get Real and we have a really huge story to share. But before we talk about that story, I just want to talk about as to why we're doing this. And the way that it happened was that I connected with Karen when I first met her in the States back in 2016 and we instantly bonded, instantly connected and we've stayed in each other's lives ever since. And so when we had our catch-ups on Facebook, we decided that, hey, these conversations are really quite interesting. And and they and I'm sure that other people are going through what we're going through. And how about we just share it? Yes, absolutely. In fact, it was after your father died and my son died that we really started connecting on a regular basis and talking about things from our heart, talking about what was going on in our lives and how we were shifting and working through all of the challenges. And that's when I remember you said to me, why are we not doing this so others can hear it also? Why are we not sharing? Because we are really talking about authentic, vulnerable us and what's going on in our lives. Yeah. 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 And that, you know, my father and your son was like, there were huge, huge, huge events in our lives that we've had to navigate. And so we thought in today's episode, we would talk about your story, Karen. And so did you want to start talking about what actually happened with Josh? Well, where do I even start? We, as you said, we were good friends and colleagues. And um, when my son was, well, he was an amazing wrestler and he was, had a full scholarship to college. He was a national champ, a state champ. He lived in his 23 years more than I lived in my 50. And he was fearless. He was motivated. He was unstoppable. He was unbelievable. He believed in himself and he lived life 100% to his fullest. 
And he's back here, actually, in my office here. My office, I've moved to a home office, and it is his bedroom. And I'm now seeing clients from here. And when he was 23 years old, he passed away, passed on in a motorcycle accident. And it was very sudden. Um, he was doing really well. He had struggled for a little bit with some uh, marijuana. He was smoking a lot. He actually had gone to AA. He was clean for six months. He had bought a house. He had a girlfriend that he was madly in love with. And he was in a really great place in his life. I, I honestly don't think he could have been happier. He was he's, he was so joyful and had such a huge heart. And uh, yeah, so we got the phone call. And I had just gotten home from work that day. It was about 4.30. It was in May. And it was almost three years ago now. I walked in the door and it was a Friday night and I couldn't wait because it was a warm Friday night to go sit out on the pier. And our younger son, who was 18 at the time, was home. And I got a phone call from his boss, who was actually his really good friend. Also, he was not only his boss, but he was a very good friend of ours and a friend of his and uh, almost like a father figure for him. And he called, I answered the phone and I heard Karen, Josh has been in a really bad accident on his way home from work. And I knew I had taken his motorcycle to work that day because it was a beautiful day. And I said, okay, well, how bad? And he said, really bad. And I said, okay, what do I do? And my heart is like beating as I'm even telling this. And he said, I don't know. And I said, do you know where it was? Can I go to the scene? And he said, I don't know. I know where it is. This is the road it was on. So he told me the exact location. And he said, but what I think you should do is call the sheriff's department and ask if he's been brought to the hospital or, or what you should do. So he immediately called my husband at the time. And I said, Josh has been in a really bad accident. And he said, yes, I know. And I said, I just called the sheriff's department and they said they would get back to me that they, the dispatcher said they needed to get the information. And he said, okay. And then he said, oh, my phone's ringing on the other side. So he picked up the other line and he came back just a few moments later. And he said, they said that he's gone. And I said, what? Like, that is not the words a parent ever wants to hear. It's like, as we've talked about, right? It is the biggest fear of a parent from the moment of conception. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, they said he's gone and don't come to the scene. And that was it. That was it. And you, you don't know, like, you don't prepare yourself for these things. And I remember hanging up the phone and pacing the hallway. And my younger son was standing there and he laid down on the couch and I just screamed at the top of my lungs. No, no, God, you don't get to do this. You don't get to do this to me. You can't do this. This is not okay. No, no, I'm not going to let you do this. No, take it back. This is not okay. I mean, that irrational screaming and um, I just... I think you're in such shock. You don't, don't know what to do. And I remember falling to my knees and holding my God. I felt it deep, deep in my womb that mm. 
crinkling down. Um, you don't think you're going to live through it feeling. And um, that was, that was the day. And interestingly, because I am writing a book with Josh in heaven, I'm channeling some of him. He already wrote the forward with me and we're working on the process of it. And I, you know, at the time, as I'm going through some of the journals that I, I took, I was writing in a journal, which is so awesome because it's really helping me put this book together. I remember um, just saying it's not, it, it's, it's not something you can even process at the time. You literally feel like out of your mind. <laughs> um, and yeah, so that's kind of what happened that day. And I remember sitting in the sunroom and um, my friends must have found out and they started coming over, my really good friends and sitting in the sunroom. And I literally said, I don't think I can live through this. I, I don't, I don't think I can live through this and I don't know what is going to happen. Yeah. And um, yeah. gosh, that, yeah. So that was that experience. And and here's the really cool thing is, you know, as we talked, I remember, I think, was it the next day you were at a conference, at a retreat? And it was called. actually, it was actually my retreat that I was holding. So when I heard your news, I, I, it shook me to my core because this has been my biggest fear. I've got one son and ever since he was born, he's now nearly 30 but, uh, you know, in the hospital when he was born, I actually did not sleep because I was scared he was going to die. So when the nurse would come in and say, I'll turn the light off, I'd say no. And I'd have my glasses and I would just look at him in the, like, is he, gonna, is he breathing? Is he still breathing? And I've been, I had this fear with me all my life about this is the most precious person in my life. He cannot ever leave me. He's, there's nothing more precious than my son. He cannot ever leave me. He cannot ever leave me. And then my biggest fear was realized by someone that I felt very, very close to. It was really a shock that it was very hard to process. And like you said, I was holding a retreat and it was a five-day retreat. And every single morning, the way that I start the retreat is by putting on a dance. And we get into it and dance. And it was like, I can't put this music on when this has happened. This sh shocking event has happened to Karen. And I, I talked to you before the retreat started. And I said to you, I usually put on music, but I don't feel like I can put on music today. I can't dance this morning. And you said to me. I, I said, do it for Josh, right? You said, right. yeah, you've got, to, you've got to dance. You've got to put the music on. And it was like, wow, for you to have the presence of mind to actually say something that, and then what happened was there was this one person in my retreat who was feeling very subconscious about dancing and he would never dance with the other days. And on this particular day, before I put the music on, I, I said what had happened. And I said that I had this discussion with you and you said to me, dance you need to dance do it for Josh and I said this story and this particular man he got up and he danced his heart out and he had never got up to dance in any of the other sessions because he was too um, concerned about looking like a fool or looking silly but now when you've got what's really important this is like 
what are we really concerned about that we think we can't do? And yet this has really put everything into perspective. Like current son, current is saying dance. Like, why wouldn't you dance? Yeah, I love it. I love it. And that started our conversations on what, what does it mean when, what does it mean when someone dies and where does their soul go? And at the time, I have always been a strong Christian, very strong foundation. And we'll talk about this in another one of our episodes. And God and Jesus have always been my rock. And I will contend to this day that without that faith and without them carrying me, I could never have survived. I spent many hours screaming and crying and saying, carry me, hold me, hold me, carry me. I cannot do this without you. This is not humanly possible. And yet when I opened up to the reality that he, he's got to be somewhere and he's got, he's got to still be here. I, well, the night, I think it was the night after he died, I heard him say to me, gosh, this is hard for me to even say, like he was next to me in my bed next to me and said, mom, when can I come home? And I said, you are home, honey. And um, I knew that that day, like he's not gone. He's just on the other side. And I like, now I know that that was his, um, like he was still transitioning and he wasn't quite sure what the heck just happened. And, um, and then he said to me, like, I think it was like three or four days later. And again, I didn't believe in souls on the other side or reincarnation, or I just thought they just go to heaven. I have no idea what happens to them. They just go to heaven. And I knew he went to heaven because he believed in God. And, um, and I think it was like oh, four or five days after he died, I again heard him like he was next to me in bed. And he said, mom. With God on your side and me by your side, you are going to be okay. And I was like, I like woke me up like out of a dead sleep, wide awake. And I was like, wow, he's here. He's talking to me. I can hear him. And then I started to open up to, he is, he's not gone. He's not gone. And I had friends, Emma Romano called and did a soul fragment retrieval with me and uh, Karen Carrera. She uh, talked to me about angels. I had a friend, Karina, that called me and asked if I was ready to do where I tapped in and could get Josh on the other side and start communicating with him. And it all was very, very foreign to me. And I also remember, I was just reading it in my journal and I'll never forget this. Just a few days after he died, you know, you have that massive grief and shock and pain. I remember thinking, I have no idea where this comes from, but I have an unearthly, unhuman peace about this. And it doesn't feel human. And yet it's there. It's it's massive grief and peace. Like it felt so okay. Like, it's okay. And 
it was just the weirdest thing. And I still, to this day, I don't, other than I know that it was, it's from God and it's from Josh and it was their message to say it's his body is gone, but he's not gone. Yeah. Because in our, in our lives and in our society, we've been so conditioned that it's such a bad, you know, like we don't, you know, to have someone die or pass, it's it's a bad thing. This is the human wanting that human here. And of course, even though we know that he's in another realm and that he is home, and we know that for sure now, um, because he's speaking to you and you're connecting with him, you're still a human that desires human contact. And so of course, there's still grieving and there's still grief, but it's the way that we see death, right? We see death as something that is something to be resisted when in fact, there's no accidents, even though he had an accident, that point in time that Josh passed was a transition point that his soul chose. And his soul chose that because everybody else in his life somehow would have benefited from him passing in that moment. And that's a really hard concept to grasp. But mm. when you understand that there, that we are part of a big universal plan that's so much bigger than us, that we can't understand it when we're going through so much pain. Why? 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 But now you have now been open. You have now opened yourself up to a whole new world of of the universe that you had never experienced before. And of course. Do you want this or do you want Josh on earth? I've got no doubt that, of course, you want Josh on earth. But now that this has happened, because this is the way the universal plan is, you understand the reason for it. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember uh, Petra, who is also a good friend of mine, and she is a practicing shaman. She was speaking to me a few weeks after Josh died because I had listened to one of her conferences And she said, I don't know how this is going to land, but I want to let you know that people choose their exit and they know. And at first I felt like I had gotten hit with a rock and I was like, no, no, he did not. He did not choose that. He would never have chosen that. He was 23 years old. He was so happy on this earth. No, he wouldn't have chosen it. And as I sat on it and opened up to our soul's path and our soul's contract and all of the stuff that we get to talk about in upcoming episodes, I started to realize that maybe he did not consciously, egoically choose Mm -hmm. that moment, but his soul knew it was his path. And we, we can talk about this again in another episode. Um, but it's, it's also interesting when you open up to the possibilities of what's out there when you open your eyes and see the signs and open up to all that there is. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you went from a place of complete disbelief and shock and denial to seeing a a bigger picture. And we've said it in, you know, 15 minutes or 20 minutes, but in actual fact that there was a big period of time for you to go through that process what was that period of time for you to go through that denial process, that acceptance, that understanding the bigger picture? How long do you think that actually took? It was remarkably 
faster than I thought it would have been. You know, I mean, I remember saying, and we've all said, it, I can't ever imagine mm. losing a child. I can't even imagine. And yet we all go through the stages differently. It was definitely the stage of shock. In fact, that first week we planned his celebration of life and COVID had just started and we decided to do it outside so we could have more people and they all had masks on and some people didn't want to come, but it was May and COVID had started in March and we had it outside in the bleachers at a festival area in our town and over 700 people showed up. And that whole week was shock week. Like you don't ever expect to be walking into a funeral home planning what that celebration is going to look like and who's going to talk and what songs you're going to use. And it's all a big blur because it's not something that you're prepared for, for a 23 year old. And I remember thinking that entire week, if I can just get through this week, if I can just get through this week and get through that day, get through that day. And then after that day, that's when the healing begins and you're able to start processing. And and it's different for everyone. But for me, it was after that first week, after his celebration of life and coming home with his toolbox. He was a carpenter at the time, his toolbox full of ashes and the reality of the heaviness of it. I had never known that the younger someone passes away, the heavier the ashes is because their bones are more dense. And it was the toolbox. And it's literally the weight of as if there was tools in it. And I was very shocked at that. And coming home with those ashes and having that right there in front of you. Right. And then, you know, there's that process of finding out we he donated his organs and having the uh, um the um have him call and tell us what he um, passed away from. And it was blunt force trauma on his head, uh, blunt force on his head, his aortic valve had ruptured and then his pelvic was smashed. So going through all of that and then donating his organs and what, what do you want to donate? And this is what we can donate. That was all crazy stuff when you think about it. And then finding out Well, and then, you know, the police come and they ask if you're the parents and they, you know, that scene you see at the, in the movies that happens and they just stare at you and they just tell you how sorry you are. And you say, thank you. (laughs) It's just surreal. It's surreal. And And then I think it was approximately two weeks later that we found out that the gentleman that had pulled out in front of him was uh, drinking too much. Mm-hmm. And that was another big blow. That's what I was going to say. That's another big thing because you then found out that, in fact, there was a drink driver involved mm-hmm. and um, you then had to go through a process of, well, what do you do with this information now? You know that your son passed because somebody else was behind the wheel and drinking. So how did you, how did you navigate that whole situation? Yeah. And it's interesting you said that because I was thinking that too, is when we found out that first thought is, no, what do I do with this? You know, he's dead. He's not coming back. It doesn't change anything to know this. And so what do you do with this? And 
my husband at the time and I were both in a space of, you know, there's, you can handle it different ways, right? You can be very angry. Mm -hmm. You can be sad. You can be not sure. We were, I was in a space of that poor man, Mm -hmm. because for the rest of his life, he is going to be punished that he killed a 23 year old. And it led me into being open to allowing myself to forgive him because I wasn't the one to punish him. And I knew that for the rest of his life, he was going to live a life of hell because I would. And that was all crazy there. Then he was charged with three, two counts of homicide. Uh, and then one count of obstructing officers. Cause he lied about drinking. And that was a two and a half year process. That was a mess. And we weren't prosecuting. The DA was, the state was prosecuting, but that was a whole nother piece. Cause every time something came up, it was opening wounds and opening wounds and opening wounds And, um, we'll talk a little bit more about how that, how I opened up to being able to forgive and starting to communicate with Josh on the other side and how I now communicate with him on a daily basis and what that looked like for me and what my process was. Um, but that was kind of the start of it is I don't know how I moved through. I, I can honestly say I don't ever recall feeling anger until much, much later. And then it was just a little blip of anger, but it wasn't like this process of anger. And everyone goes through it differently, different stages, different times. Absolutely. We don't know. Absolutely. But I know that with what happened with you in terms of, because when when there's this, an event like that that happens, it impacts everybody. Like there's a trickle effect everywhere. And that's why we said earlier, you know, that exit point was picked at a certain point. And it really, the universe is so incredible that there are so many people that have been impacted. You said there were 700 people that went to the funeral. Well, those 700 people would have had a story to tell at least one person, probably a lot more. And so when we see that, like this young life has left the earth at this age, it makes an immediate impact on how am I living my life? He lived his life to the fullest. Like you said, he lived his, his 23 years, like you lived your 50 years. Mm-hmm. And, and then it really helps us to stop and consider well, what choices are we making in our life? Because we could be gone tomorrow. We don't know. We don't know what our soul has planned for us. But for me, what your story did through the years, through the last three years, you said almost three years now, is that every time I felt I felt um, something come up for me that was difficult or challenging, I would actually think, look at Karen. Look what happened to her. Look at her. Look how strong she is. Look how she's she's showing up for life every single day. And, and this is what happened to her. So if this happened to her and she's showing up in this way, then there's a different perspective here in the way that you see this staff issue or this client issue 
or this money issue or this other issue that you think is actually important when it's not. It puts everything back into perspective. I love it. I love it. And this is a good place for us to start because we have so much more to talk about. And on that note, I wanted to say that from the moment that I found out, well, actually, it's probably the day after that I found out that Josh went to the other side, I would, when I did some Facebook posts, I waited a little bit, but anytime anyone would say anything, I always ended with, and I choose joy. And it made a huge difference in my life because we all know we get to choose. We don't have to stay stuck in grief. And my motto after that day was I choose joy. Oh, I've got like goosebumps all over my body because, you know, even in your deepest grief, right from the very, very, very beginning, I remember you doing that. And it was like, wow, wow, Karen chooses joy in this moment. You can choose joy in this moment too. Like we can all choose joy. We can. We can. Yes. Thanks for watching. We hope you loved it. And if you did, please like this video and subscribe to the channel. And remember, always connect to your truest essence. And choose love. We'll see you next time.